Hey there and welcome to yet another episode here on the Desi VC podcast. I'm your host Akash Bhatt and each week I bring you leading investors and operators investing and building companies all around the world. On today's episode, we have Nandini Mansinka. She is the chief executive officer of Mumbai Angels. Mumbai Angels is an early stage investment firm which was recently acquired by 361, which was formerly known as IIFL Wealth and Asset Management. Along with this acquisition Mumbai Angels also announced the launch of two new funds a 1000 crore angel fund and a 300 crore VC fund the funds will invest in 500 startups over the course of the next 3 to 4 years time Nandini came on board as the third co-founder operating partner and chief executive officer in 2017 she brings years of vast experience across investment banking media education and has worked for 5 years with JP Morgan in India in leadership positions leading the research group she holds a professional degree as a chartered financial analyst and today we sit down with her to learn how angels in india have supported the startup ecosystem i'm really excited to share this episode with each and every one of you so without further ado here's my conversation with nandini nandini welcome to the dcvc podcast It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you here on the show. I am looking forward to speaking to you over the course of the next 45-50 minutes and take you down memory lane, walk back on the start of your career and everything that you have kind of learned along the way and uncover everything that is Mumbai Angels as well and uh, delve a little bit more deeper into some of the interesting things that have happened in the country over the course of the last couple of decades. So, but before we get into any of that, welcome to the show and how are you doing? wonderful and you know it's wonderful to be here akash um and uh, you know happy to talk about i think there are two three parts to this conversation and i think we should touch upon uh, all of that one of course is you know uh, my personal journey as an investor since um, i've been in this ecosystem now for um i would say a good 12 to 14 years and then of course you know mumbai angels journey and how we started and where are we today so yeah. absolutely well i'm very keen to delve into all of those uh, and a good starting point typically when i speak to investors or founders is trying to understanding the the dots that kind of led them to where they are right you know it's connecting the dots and understanding those key decisions and those aha moments in their own careers that kind of led them to where they are today so i want to take you down that memory lane as well let's start off from the beginnings if you were to look back on your professional journey you know some mm-hmm. people have had a very serendipitous um walk uh, on that professional path where you know things have just organically happened to them and they've kind of stumbled mm-hmm. upon all interesting opportunities that have got them to where they are some people have been very intentional with where they wanted to go which side of that do you fall and how did your career play out so i think it's a mix of both i think the first uh, you know i would say the first decade or so of my journey was just stumbling you know i i think uh, uh, even before uh, the decade if i just take myself back to you know how you know, you know the kind of family i came from the kind of setup i came from i think i just stumbled upon uh, doing things that i was doing because uh, you know the, so i come from a business family i come from a marwadi family i come you know and uh, i'm talking of a decade when uh, 
women were not really supposed to be working, let alone, you know, uh, think on their own. So luckily I had a very supportive uh, parent set who said, no, you need to do different stuff. But I think it, a lot of it was stumbling. So, you know, I just, I just stumbled upon saying, okay, this set of life that I'm being told is not my life. So then what? Right. And then I started figuring out, uh, uh, I said, okay, education is the way out. So I, I said, okay, one is education. Second is getting out of Calcutta as a city was the way out. I think both were uh, things. So I think a lot of my decisions in the first, first few years of my career or life were just driven by that to get out of, you know, the, the, let's just say the set of variables I was given. And, and then I moved out. Post that, I, you know, I started discovering a lot of things about myself as I started working. And a couple of things that, that worked for me is, A, you know, I, I was, I realized that I could do a, a varied set of things, you know. I, I don't know, I don't know if I can work with that. For example, I, I very early on, I realized that there's nothing called a skill set. Yeah, you were a generalist generalist and more importantly and I think that's very important for anybody who's listening to this is that I truly believe that each one of us can become whatever we want to whatever mm -hmm. we want to mm -hmm. it has got nothing to do with what you have been trained to do or right. what comes more easily it's just about how much how many hours are, we, are you willing to put to a certain thing so what yeah. will happen is that some skill set you will be able to pick up very quickly because you know, it's instinctive, it's in, it's a part of your DNA, or let's just say you are, you know, uh, tuned to do that better. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'm, I'm just trying to give, give uh, uh, saying for me, you know, trying to think strategically, for example, or trying to see the big picture comes very naturally. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. If you ask me to do math, and you know, try ask me to become like a scientist, for example, yeah. it'll take me more effort. But I don't think these are uh, mutually uh, non-compatible so I think okay. that's something that I picked up very early and I think it was also a function of my first job when I was mm -hmm. in times of India so I, I actually think that that was my uh, uh, almost my learning uh, playground you know because just because the environment was such where it said you can do whatever you want mm -hmm. I think it's very important for people who are starting out in their careers to get that exposure. So mm -hmm. you could be doing marketing one day, content one day, finance the next day, legal the other day, strategy, mm -hmm. and that, then that builds that whole thing. So that happened to me uh, for, I think, about the, say, about, I was there for about five, six years in different roles. So that that built my base, I could actually say. Then, of course, I moved to JP Morgan. That was a completely different world, you know. I moved from a completely unstructured uh, uh, environment to a financial institution, an international uh, uh, bank, where yeah. everything is rule-driven. You know, your your role is rule-driven. You are a part of a larger organization. You're supposed to follow rules. Yeah. That taught me something completely different, you know. It, it taught me how to actually deliver quality and excellence day on day. Mm. attention to detail so these are two very different uh things that i learned uh 
I also, I think quickly, I think 2010 or I would say a year before that or so is when I started realizing that actually I was not cut out for a, a corporate career. I, I started wanting to do things on my own. I said, I need to step out and build, build stuff. So mm-hmm. 2010 is when I, when I stepped out. And when I stepped out, I said, I can do two things. And I started both of these parallelly, actually. One is trying to set up a company of my own. So, uh, uh, so that was one. And the second one was saying, I want to, uh, I suddenly started getting um, super excited about the startup space, you know, mm-hmm. as an investor. Mm-hmm. And this is talking really early on 2010. Yeah. Uh, then that's the time when I think in India, the concept it was, itself was just picking up. There were just a couple yeah. of networks, very new, yeah. right? I remember and that. I, somehow, I just somehow, uh, I I could just get the sense of it early on. You mm. know, I, I started participating. So I, I actually, so Mumbai Angels uh, was not started by me. It was started by two other friends of mine. I became the third co-founder of 2017-18. So for that period of 2010 to 17, 18, I was an investor like any other investor on the platform. And that's when my individual investment journey started, you know, where I started investing. And during that time, I also dabbled with starting um, companies. So I've mm-hmm. actually, uh, you know, set up and failed at setting up two different uh, companies, both in the uh, both in the media and platform and financing space. So, you know, right. I, I realized that my core expertise or what, what I get a thrill in building as, as a founder is actually a cusp of, a, of being an investor and being a platform. Right. So, so like uh, I, I tried to set up a company which actually wanted to fund content. Mm. So it was called Idea Booster. This was about... Uh, Think of it like a platform to fund content where people who want to make movies and they would look for money. They're looking to make TV series. Yeah, like an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter for content uh, creators. So that is crowdfunding. This I was trying to actually do it with equity. So similar. So I I was trying to treat each project as a startup actually. Got it. And say, bring that one concept in, get people to fund. And mm-hmm. they make money mm. uh, once this content gets sold. Mm. So uh, I think the idea was well before its time. It Agreed. Didn't take off. Yeah. Yeah. Like in today's <laughs> world, like, it probably would be one of the most you know, sought right, after exactly. ideas if you had gone after it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking 2013 or so. So I, I realized very quickly that you know it's well before its time. So I said. So then 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 I pivoted the business to something. Uh, similar on that those lines only I, I try to set up a marketplace for content buying and selling mm. so if there are these smaller content creators who want to sell their content to a netflix or an amazon or any other platforms uh, that also i think unfortunately was well before its time so <laughs> so we so we tried to you know build that then i then i came out of the company as a active uh, founder and I actually, that's the time I'm talking 2016, 17 is when I spoke to the other two co-founders in Mumbai Angels. Mm-hmm. I said, look, what you guys started out was fabulous, but today the world is completely different. You right. Know? 
the the basic hypothesis that you started out with of saying that you know uh, india is is actually going to uh, mimic us where there will be deep enough ecosystems per city or region both in terms of investors and founders it's not playing out because mm. india you have to be a uh, you know country wide you have to be a wider platform rather than going regional deep and of course you need to put in money behind building the platform as a wealth creation engine right rather than just being a network of people so i think that is when we decided that 2017 18 um, i came on board as the third co-founder and the operating partner mm-hmm. so the other two uh, you know became silent partners and investors and uh, then of course you know so you, if you look at uh, so we we did a very deliberate pivot of the business model 2017 mm. 18 so if you actually look at mumbai angels journey there is actually a 2017 before and after life to it okay and it was a very deliberately engineered pivot where you said uh, let's change the structure bring in professionals bring in a yeah. professional team uh, you know almost uh, and say what is required to build this to scale so we mm. started for scale with intent i think 2018 onwards right and uh, of course you know cut to uh, say 3 years from then 2022 is uh, you know when we uh, are now a part of 361 yeah and i think the uh, now what you will see actually is a version 3 of mumbai angels here on mm-hmm. where i i actually see us becoming the largest player with setting the rules Mm. in the ecosystem so see right so that that's the journey it's been a fantastic journey to be quite candid and honest with you you've um played a pivotal role in more recent times with mumbai angels but also a lot of your own personal experiences have come from from a point of view of you know being part of the ecosystem as a founder as somebody who said to enable other founders to come about so you've seen how india's evolved over the last decade or decade and a half um yes. and i want to get get into a couple of those insights that you have learned very, very very soon but a few things really stood out to me and i think the first ever point that you shared was the support that you received from your parents uh in the early days you know i think that's so important and i wanted to just highlight a little bit of that is because it changes a lot and i'm not just saying that because you know you're a woman and uh, or so but it's just in general the kind of support that anybody irrespective of gender gets from you know from people at home kind of defines the trajectory of their career in some cases it becomes like a personal struggle and in some cases it just becomes you know very supportive sort of a, work, a home environment that propels you in a, a certain direction where you don't have to like fight not just everybody in the industry and also fight some people in your personal life and then get out so it just feels like it's just been a long struggle and i can talk to you about that because i'm on the other side i've had to like mm. fight every step along the way to like chase my dream and all along the way yeah. i kept being you know pulled back and saying go the traditional route go do the engineering yeah. go do get a regular corporate job stay in corporate why you do what what is we see this uncertainty why now i'm a founder why are you starting up you have such a cushy job you have a good salary you're leaving all of that to go and take zero salary and work so it's always about constantly fighting people at home and i'm glad that i just got to hear that it really changes um a lot of just people's path and perspectives you know you, you mentioned something absolutely amazing i actually think 
today the conversation around gender is irrelevant yes i want to say that and you know i say that again and again at whichever forum i get a uh, opportunity to this thing is that i actually find it almost uh, trivializing uh, you know uh, an identity of contribute yeah, yeah, yeah. by just bucketing it in gender gender right. has got nothing to do with uh, the kind of see today in our urban structures right all of us face different types of uh, situations mm-hmm. and challenges i think the minute you start saying na that because i'm a woman i need to be treated differently and i have say, faced challenges which are of a higher degree i think we are just trivializing the conversation absolutely and i at times you know i find myself in the minority <laughs> in most of these but but i am very vocal about it is that you know like i like to i think i think the way forward is gender agnostic general neutral it's yeah. got nothing to do with who you are because uh, i actually think it puts a mind block if you start saying that i am not being able to do what i am wanting to because of my gender yeah it 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 you're actually giving yourself leeway to it's uh, an excuse it's an alibi for you to like not excuse. do something yeah and Because, quite simply another thing that you mentioned there was you said i'm from a marwadi family which is historically known to be very good at mm-hmm. doing business and i come from from the again the other side where we're not in my family yeah. everyone's like hey you study you get a job that's life that's it you you would work till you're die you're dying and that's that's the way that's the rite of passage that we all go through but on the other hand i've seen i mean my own personal um, case example i don't want to bring anybody else into the picture here i'm saying so what it doesn't matter i'll give it a shot i might fail it's okay but i don't want my history to like define anything else going forward i don't want like like you said gender shouldn't define anything neither should where you come from or anything that is historically perceived as a person's identity i don't think it should stop somebody from doing anything that they want to completely on the same page akash so absolutely i think we are today all of us all of us are you know sitting at this fabulous juncture in you know humanity's history almost if you want to call it yeah where where you come from or your previous identity actually means zilch agreed means zilch you know whether community country gender uh, uh, i would also say education yeah you know education language uh, anything you today have the opportunity and the ability to make your life as meaningful or as small i i'm not saying small in a negative way i'm saying yeah. as as contained or as larger vast yeah as as you as you want and it is totally dependent on you on you the minute you start saying uh, that community country uh, gender like i said which yeah. school you come from uh, absolutely meaningless yeah. and that's something that i talk to everybody you know whoever i get a chance <laughs> to yeah. talk about it's because i think those are cobwebs that each one of us needs to make extra effort to just remove continuously Yeah. and just focus on saying like say for example if you ask me saying okay you know what keeps you excited okay for me what, what keeps me excited is to create wealth mm. for myself and for people around me other people so if i can you know if i'm 90 years old 
and like i keep saying i said i might not be doing anything else but i'll be creating wealth not because i want to be a user of wealth but mm. because i want to be able to create that wealth for the people as a as a craft you know building wealth as a craft yeah if so so yeah absolutely it's yeah. a different sorry, topic sorry i went a little philosophical on this one but i thought I, it was I, important <laughs> i love when conversations go philosophical and i was going to just extend that point a little bit and saying it's quite similar to education right where you feel you're empowering people with knowledge here you're empowering people with financial independence and in some yeah. cases you're empowering generations of financial independence and to me financial independence is not about hey i can now do anything with that money it's not the fuck you kind of money so pardon my yeah, friend yeah. but it's yeah, more about yeah. it's it's the time that it frees up because if pe- people have financial independence now they really can pursue things that matter to them now yeah, they absolutely. start digging deeper into what is my purpose like what do i want to leave behind what is my legacy what do what are the things that really um you know make me get up what am i passionate about now the way that i see all of these kind of like lining up in the context of this conversation is tomorrow as you're building these next generation of like investors they will back people in spite of those ideas being called or termed as bold too early um there are too many competitors people will want to bet on people because at the end of the day they're like hey, you know what i like you you know you may not succeed but i will empower you to at least go give it a shot now yeah what you do with that opportunity is down to you but i'm willing to take that opportunity in the first couple of like you know years of your journey and i think that is what will really cha- bring about a change in the ecosystem as well and you may have said it in a philosophical manner but that one particular line that you said i, I want to generate wealth or i want to create wealth in the ecosystem eventually then ends up empowering more people like more entrepreneurs more investors and you start giving back and that cycle keeps building and it's kind of happened in the last 10 years or so and that's kind of what what's driven our ecosystem so far is people who now have that discre- discretionary wealth that they are sitting on are saying i want to back people who are like me i maybe came i was maybe privileged i didn't have opportunity i start looking at people that's how i look at things right if tomorrow i connect with a founder's journey where i feel he or she comes from a very similar background that i did and i kept along my journey kept hearing a lot of noes i'd be like hey i want to be the first yes in your journey i don't know what's going to happen but i will empower you just go try it out two years what's the worst that can happen you'll fail it's okay but i'm okay losing that bit of money on at least somebody who's going to go give an honest shot to something that's going to impact society as such so it kind of like ties in really well into the context of this conversation so i'm glad you brought it up um didn't want to derail that conversation at all but um I wanted to bring it back to your founding journey right because I think the building blocks to Mumbai Angel started back then. The question that I had actually noted down here while I was when you were talking is how did media come about because you know you or uh, media and content cuz you spent a good amount of your time on the corporate side you were at JP Morgan then you were at Times of course with Times you probably got exposed to a little bit on the content side of things but how did the initial idea for um you know the your stint as a founder come along because that is a very fascinating journey idea booster the platform for investments of content you don't you didn't mention it's a little early earlier than uh, what the market was ready for but how did that idea come about why did you feel more passionate about going and building that particular um, you know, idea see i am a bollywood buff so whoever knows me <laughs> they are like you know i think if i 
I if I could, I would wear a I'm a Shah Rukh Khan fan T-shirt every day. Every day, day. yes. So, yeah, so I love Bollywood. Uh, I think uh, times give me a lot of exposure on content. So mm. I think, like I mentioned, you know, we I have actually dabbled in content very closely in those five years in all formats. So mm. video, audio, so audio. So much because they were still putting radio uh, up, but internet, internet. So I was a part of uh, India Times. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of content over there, and I think I have been, um, you know, creatively inclined. I think uh, it, it's just I think a part of who I am. I'm creatively inclined, uh, yeah. like. A, so and I think these three things together got me to a place where I said this works. So. Of course, I saw content very closely when I was in Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what what uh, what was driving these decisions is, you know. So I'm not a I'm not a content person. I'm a I'm a business person who understands content. You know. So so if you ask me, saying, what are you? What are what are you really excited about building? Yeah. It's about building platforms and alternative assets. Mm-hmm. So I have, over the last say 10, 15 years, and I think going ahead also, that's that's what's going to drive whatever I build from here, is how can you actually democratize investment opportunities? Mm. So what happens is that, you know, there is this anything that you, that is, not mainstream so for example if you had a certain amount of portfolio money to allocate today if you are at the retail end of the spectrum for a different you know lack of a better word or let's say limited portfolio you are only exposed to what is easily available you know you will say uh, uh, equity debt fd you know those those things today technology and processes and newer business models are opening up asset classes which otherwise were only available to the rich few Mm. for example startups yeah so think of what what i've been doing startups so the today why why do platforms like ours have value because we are being able to get people to invest as low as a lakh in a startup right what i was trying to do with idea booster is again similar in another asset class i was saying you know if somebody wants to uh, invest in movies, for example, there's no way in hell you can do this if you have a limited capital. But I was trying to create a platform that would allow people to take exposure to that. Mm. At different times of my life, I have, you know, toyed with uh, trying to see if there are other asset classes that you can democratize your stuff like wine. So I, I was yeah. I was trying to at one point, and I don't drink, but I was still saying. This is an asset class where you can actually figure out, yep. you know, art. Uh, I actually think over a period of time, we will see, um, I'm, I'm going way, uh, way into the next 10 years or so, but you will actually see people's careers getting democratized. So you, you could say, I'm going to, people are going to bet on you as an individual and you could actually convert yourself into a corporate entity and say, here are shares to my growth. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm just saying there'll be different types of things that will come up. I'm 
I'm I'm I've seen websites getting democratized, jewelry getting democratized. So all that that what that that's who I am, you know. Yeah. To be able to build wealth out of platforms where which democratizes a people's ability to invest. Invest. You know, you and I have more things in common than I thought. And <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> right, right from your love for Bollywood, from hmm. obsession with content. And again, for me, it's always been, I'm in some sort of content creation with audio. Yeah, but, you're a content creator. That's but, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated. Uh, growing up, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. Unfortunately, as, as I said, my family pushed me in the other direction. So I'm yeah. kind of like oh, living, that, yeah, yeah. I'm living <laughs> that childhood dream in some way, shape or form, but doing it on a very small okay. scale. But there were a few things that you mentioned, which is very interesting. Um, is investing in different asset classes and democratizing that for people, right? Uh, you talked about wine. Um, we looked at a company called Vino West here in the US a few years ago. Yeah. yeah and yeah. they were trying to democratize access to wine as an asset class because it is yeah. probably one of the ones that grows faster than the stock market. People understand very niche sort of an audience. Um, worked really well because we're a Japanese fund. We understood wine pretty well as well. Although okay. we didn't invest in it, we thought it was still early at that point. But I get that um, you know different asset classes do exist that not not traditional real estate or uh, public yeah, yeah. Kids or you know startups as such and then um, in fact on similar lines I had thought about this a few years ago is democratizing um, access to athletes not the ones yeah. who are big but especially the ones who are in the early days and solo sports in the country right cricket is probably one of those exceptions that stand out but I would I would have loved to support and I still want to at some point when I get that kind of like financial independence I would love to have a platform that gave access to um, you know, new sports and athletes coming up saying, hey, own a percentage of my performance in the future. Like if yeah, a yeah. back in the day who probably may or may not have it had the right funds and support, let's say you're giving access to like these athletes and then you can get future returns on their performances at yeah. you know, big games, endorsements, things that they're able to own over the course of their career. That's some sort of an investment, but also at the same time, you're supporting an athlete who perhaps makes the country proud, perhaps, you know, embarks on a journey, you're changing in somebody's life and you're changing perhaps the trajectory of what that sport and how it's going to be perceived in the country long-term as well. So like startups, different kind of a view. Eventually, yeah. I mean, I hope somebody does, if somebody's listening and somebody wants, I hope somebody does this. But if I do get that, you might figure I'll only do it in a couple of years, no? <laughs> I would love it. Uh, nothing, nothing like it, right? So, you know, so it's not just athletes. So like that, when you pick that up, athletes, any kind of performing arts. Yeah. Right. Any, so basically, you know, you, I, I, my view is that you actually can build newer stuff only when wealth creation is attached to it. So my view on this is, uh, you know, I think that you should do good, not for doing good, but with a shared dream of creating wealth for everybody. Yeah. That's when it drives the uh, innovation in that particular uh, space. Because yeah. otherwise it fizzles out, you know. Yeah. So, so absolutely different type of, uh, and I'm like in constant hunt of different uh, asset classes. The uh, uh, as as we grow and unfortunately India we are uh, I think not really there right now but I'm hoping in this thing but one of my favorite questions whenever I meet any 10 year olds is listen I'm going to 
plan to i plan to live till we become uh, till we colonize mars yeah. and i'm looking for some of you to go there on my behalf uh-huh. you know who who's interested so like suddenly you know you will have these kids and uh, raising their hands and i'm like look the two things you need to do to be able to do there is one you need to learn math yeah and secondly you need to be interested in science so you know you actually uh, what i'm just trying to uh, highlight here is that you you can actually uh, drive uh, and growth when you focus on wealth creation as a yeah. as as a, as a wider uh, north star goal actually yeah no that i completely agree with you and um, i think that's a good segue into mumbai angels in the second chapter if i want to call it in terms of what you've been working on a good part of the last 7 years or so and you kind of took charge at a point of time when the indian startup ecosystem went through that lull period right so we've had these two lull periods we've had the 15 16 like high cycles and then we've had that lull period up until like 2019 when you ha- then had the soft banks and the uh, sequoias of the world and the tiger globals of the world coming back into the market and then backing out a bunch of companies so you had a lot more interest that got generated and covid obviously propelled that forward and now we're in this unfortunate bear market where startups are still kind of like struggling to raise money when i mean startups i don't mean early stage companies i say i, I i'm talking about the valley of death there between the b to like c stages is where companies are still struggling and going through massive scrutiny so you've seen these cycles play out in two different instances just in a span of 7 years and this is unlikely as such right typically people go through this once or twice over the course of their careers as such which last decades what have been some of your learnings building mumbai angels because not just from a market standpoint but just the evolution of the indian angel investor like how have they evolved in the last 7 or 8 years that you have been part of the organization and what is that fundamental changes that have come about and more importantly some of the learnings that you have had over the course of this you know up to, up and down cycle so i think let's tackle it piece by piece because i think there are three four questions uh, embedded in this and you know you will have to give me five minutes of monologue on absolutely <laughs> so, so the first piece is that you know i have actually not seen a downturn interesting so the one of the first learnings that i got when you know like you rightly said when we started first seeing these uh, you know dips and yeah. you know then there will always be these noises on some startup some large startup going bust some uh, you know vcs coming out with uh, funding winter type of uh, conversations or you know suddenly covid hitting lockdowns happening uh, the indian stock market uh, crashing all kinds of things yeah so initially i used to be worried now i sleep at peace irrespective of whatever is happening mm. because what we have seen is that at the earliest stages of this venture asset class so we actually we actually call ourselves you know now at the early stage venture asset class so this no longer startups is no longer angel investing because now you have a name for this asset class because it is it has a certain uh, you know uh, minimum i think ecosystem space out there this one is immune to whatever else is happening because what happens is that investors who are coming in understand that this is a long game 
Yeah. And that has actually helped us not only just survive, you know, these couple of downturns, if you might want to call it, but actually thrive in them. Mm -hmm. So when COVID hit first, I was worried. I'm like, oh my God, you know, are we done? That was actually one of our best years ever. The next year was even three times growth from there. Today, where you see us, you are, you know, we are, we are saying, oh, we are going to grow, you know, uh, we're going to keep doubling how much we deploy year on year. Yeah. Because what has happened, and I think it's a very good thing that has happened, two, two things that have happened. One is the conversations with the founders have become realistic. Mm. They have started, you know, you've started focusing on uh, the real business that you are trying to build. Because, you know, there was a lot of fluff and it, this fluff that you're talking of now where we saw it in uh, two quick successions. My view is that it's going to become even quicker. Mm. Because, you know, how this thing is driven, it is driven by too much coming up, money, money coming into the system. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very quickly. And too many players being out there who don't understand uh, that it, just because money is more easily available, the hard work of building a company has not become easier. Yeah. Right? Hard work in India to grow something of value still remains a 10-year period from what you start to what. So what happens is, you know, intermittently, there is this flush money that comes in and it starts chasing a couple of founders. Mm -hmm. at whatever valuations, at whatever business models. And that's what drives the, you know, this irrationality in the market. And then there's a crash. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we will see this happening quicker and quicker now because more and more money is coming into the ecosystem. And I'm not really sure if everybody who's actually bringing the money or managing the money actually understands what it means to be able to build that. That was, I think, one. So that's one thing that I have seen happen. The second thing that I think is this is doing is that while, of course, there are these ups and downs on, uh, you know, things, the conversations or how they're going, I think people have started valuing uh, what we bring on the table as a platform, you know. So what, what I've started realizing is that investors today are looking at not just good companies, which of course is, you know, that's the cornerstone of what you do. But how are you actually stitching that deal has started to become equally important. You know, for me to say investing, investing is not just a very good founder. Mm. You know, the, absolutely. But how is that deal stitched so that when the investor stays along in that journey, they actually make money on the companies that do well. And, you know, the kind of negotiation that we need to do at that point when the deal is being done is... I cannot emphasize enough on it, Akash. And that's something that we are known for in the market. Yeah. And that's what I want to build. You know, I want to build a very, very transparent uh, pricing mechanism. Uh, unfortunately, there are lots of hidden costs nowadays that founders don't even understand. Yeah. You know, when they're talking to people, they don't even understand who they're talking to. They don't even understand that what are the hidden costs of raising money how important it is to have the right people on your cap table, how important is it, it is to participate with the right platform early on so that as you grow, you should be able to go and talk to people saying, Look, listen, this investor is on my cap table. Mm -hmm. 
so so those things are what we are now uh, uh, you know looking to build and like i mentioned i think uh, we have we are already known for the gold standard on transparency processes how we manage our portfolio you know there is that brand equity that mumbai angels has going forward i think we are also going to be able to do that in just in terms of transparency at scale you know building a community at scale uh, so that's going to happen that's the second piece the third is on the ecosystem you mentioned i think the ecosystem has evolved dramatically from when i started out yeah dramatically the just the understanding of uh, both from the founder side and from the investor side there is there is now you know every 6 months i think the the bench of founders who understand what it means to build companies in this newer world and mm-hmm. investors who understand how to support or invest in founders in this newer world that bench has started increasing and the good thing is that see there'll always be i think there will always be a 2080 cut off uh, investors who actually understand how to do this and those who don't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but it's a good thing because you have more people coming into the ecosystem so we also see our job also to actually educate the investors on how to do this yeah so 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 yeah like i said long winded monologue but yeah that's so you had a bunch of really great insights kind of tied into that answer and i'll start you know in the reverse format um one of the things that you mentioned was just the kind of impact that you've been able to have in the country and i and i i'm i'm tying this to an earlier point that you had made where you also said that today you're at a position where you you have been or you are being able to drive some of these changes fundamentally yes. at um from a governance standpoint from a policy standpoint from a framework standpoint which you know in some cases um various stakeholders within the startup ecosystem may be consulting you in terms of what needs to be the infrastructure here to like make this um a level playing field make it more easy for investors to be part of ecosystems could be sebi that's probably getting in touch with us from time to time it could be the rbi that's probably getting in touch from time to time it's probably the startup um you know ecosystems at state levels that are getting in touch maybe the central government's getting in touch i would love to understand how that evolution has come about where you've positioned yourself more consciously as not just um you know a driver of change but also becoming a flag bearer of change there's a little bit of a subtle difference in both yeah, those yeah, roles yeah. and to become a flag bearer of change you have to have had a very great um you know track record of doing things the right way and having people supporting you and you know that's one of the reasons why people come to you because you become that community of high value individuals who can now contribute back to the ecosystem so talk to us more from a standpoint about how do you see yourself in that particular role and what's the onus and accountability with such kind of um a label um which kind of gets attached to mumbai angels even not formally but just you know in everybody's minds yeah yeah i i completely agree akash i um we take it very seriously yeah. because look i i keep saying this that you know there is this whole honeymoon period of investing which is you know 
where everybody on the table is super happy smiling and uh, everybody very keen to shake hands and stuff that's when you do the investing part you know the founder is super happy they are promising you know 10x growth in whatever the investor is buying into that promise right and uh, because of those two pieces there is a price or there is a certain terms that that you've actually agreed on right mm-hmm. then of course there is this whole journey of actually this reality playing out mm-hmm. and just because we come in very early in the company building stage a large percentage of the times this reality doesn't play out actually so sometimes you know it doesn't play out at all and companies crash sometimes they're just being able to cruise at a certain stage and then there'll be you know a certain percentage of companies that will actually make that uh, yeah. zoom up and uh, while i hate to use the word unicorns and all this because i think it's just it's just nomenclature doesn't mean anything it actually uh, trivializes the hard work that is being done by everybody who's not got that certain number and yeah. i actually think it is uh, detrimental to the ecosystem to just mm-hmm. keep worshiping unicorns because that's not the game the game not is not to um, get somebody to sign a check for you at a certain valuation right. the game is to build businesses uh, that that are thing and that's the thing that we take very seriously akash so we you're right we are constantly in conversation with you know various state governments various uh, uh, you know uh, Uh, education institutes incubators accelerators uh, sebi of course you know uh, so we we are in constant conversation with everybody and uh, you know i'm i'm very clear that i'm not just going to do a deal for deal sake yeah you will have to do a deal where it is fair to all, all parties mm. it is fair to all parties it's neither the founder not the investor and it has to be structured in a way that it is with two things structured for growth right and two it it is fair to both parties as the growth happens yeah these are two very different things you know and those are the things that we are increasingly known for do our companies fail for sure do we have founders who are not ethical for sure see that's the other part of the whole ecosystem that we should keep talking about you know it's not all rosy it's not that everybody out there is uh, you know out there trying to build uh, stuff ethically it's not yeah. so our job there is to a try and set rules that we think is what is going to drive the ecosystem Up, yeah. and we try and find ways to like i said manage growth for these companies in a way that if companies start going down we yeah. should try and find out if there is a way to mitigate that we most of the times what i have seen is that purely because at the stage that we come in if a company starts crashing it will crash mm. our only job is to make the investor understand that listen it is crashing <laughs> you know and let the founder know also that listen this is crashing but uh, absolutely i uh, and that's something that you know me and my team we are very very sure of that for example you will never hear uh, for us in the market 
things like investors saying, Are, a deal was done and we didn't know mm. on your platform. So you, we, we will never do side deals. We will never do, you know, uh, undue pushing. We will never push a deal. So we don't see ourselves as investment bankers. So we will right. never push a deal. Our job is to curate deals and give uh, investors as much information that they need to yeah. be able to take a call. You know, so these are nuanced uh, uh, endeavors, but I think th these are the only endeavors that, you know, are worth pursuing if we want to become the uh, flag bearers and like, like you mentioned, the gold standard of how this business is to be done. Because the last thing I want is uh, us sitting on a pile of companies that have not done well three yeah. to five years from now. Yeah. You bring up a very interesting point, which is, um, you know, not sitting on a pile of deals that haven't done well, because at the end of the day, it goes back to the point that you mentioned is all about wealth creation. Wealth creation also means that you're betting on good companies, good founders that fundamentally agree and align with the values that you're trying to build as an institution here. Now, as an extension of that question, I would love to understand how you, from your vantage point, take a look at the deals that are coming in and ensure that they're able to align with the future of how you envision India as an ecosystem is going to grow. And along with that, also kind of like stay true to um, the fiduciary responsibility of generating returns, where in some cases you may not, and in some cases you will. How do you find that fine balance between both those hats that you fortunately or unfortunately have to wear as being part of this uh, this position that you're in as a CEO. Yeah, so I, I love what I do actually, Akash. So, uh, you know, I, I think I'm fortunate uh, to be actually getting paid for something that I love to do otherwise, mm. which I would do even without money. The uh, So two things, okay? One is I never stand out there and say that I'm choosing the companies. Mm. I'm very clear that in today's environment, especially at the asset class or at the at the level at which we work, yeah. both in terms of the sheer quantity of startups that we see, the sheer diversity of the startups that we see. More importantly, just the sheer range of industries that these founders come from. Mm. There is no way in hell that I as an individual can stand there and say, I understand which one is a good uh, bet or not. So actually one of the standard answers I give whenever somebody is, reaches out to me with a startup is that, listen, I'm going to pass this on to my investment team because mm -hmm. I take calls on which company is getting showcased on the platform. So this is just, that's one thing I want to highlight. Now your second question will be, okay, then how are you guys actually doing this? So we are actually trying to do this in two or three ways. One is, and you know, this is just the version one of what we have done, but I see that it, it having, you know, versions in infinity is we've started building an algorithm, mm. which is basically almost like a, a probability throwing score of a, a, of a certain startup's ability or probability of winning or not winning okay yeah. and they, it's a rule-based system 
that we have done for, I think, about, say, five to seven very different industries, which is actually a rule-based uh, synthesis of, say, about, say, 10,000 companies that we would have seen mm -hmm. and the 150 companies that we finally invested in and what is the outcome of those. So this today is actually the first voice in the system. What does that mean? It's not It's not the decision. So it, that algorithm doesn't decide which company we showcase or not. But that algorithm definitely, you know, uh, filters out companies that we don't want to see. Yeah. So that is level one of what comes in. Then from there on, we have a 20-member team which starts looking at each deal to start saying, okay, now what are the terms of these deals? Mm. Okay. And what are the what are the other softer aspects that we are hearing? What more importantly, uh, feedback from our uh, investor base on saying these are the kind of deals that we want to invest in. Because remember, we are a platform. We have to take all of these on a continuous basis. We mm -hmm. take in. And based on that, so these, these are the various things that we will continuously keep uh, filtering, filtering, filtering to yeah. the point where we see about say 500 to 600 companies a month mm -hmm. of which we put out about 15 to 20 companies in front of our subscribers mm. that's the filtering so you're looking at a, a you know two percent of our deal flow being showcased to investors saying listen this is the curated deal flow are you guys interested and only about 50% of those deals actually get invested. So about 1% of deals that we see actually get invested. Right. That's the way that we are building. Now we are, we are, we are building more and more layers of technology and community in this for us to be able to arrive at a better selection probability of these same companies so i don't want to increase our ability to screen from 500 to 1000 that's not the idea the yeah. idea is to say a can you can you attract a better quality of those 500 that's number one secondly can you filter better and better with technology with community inputs right and our team's ability to identify which are the ones also look at which sectors are doing well, which sectors should we actually take more exposure in, yeah. those kind of, so it's a lot of uh, programming, it's a lot of uh, processes, it's a lot of rule-based so thing. From there is when we want to be able to do this better and better over a period of time. And, and our algorithm today, I would think at a minimum looks at 100 different criterias. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great to hear the the tech aspect of um, how Mumbai Angels is thinking about it. And I'm seeing more funds and institutions like yourself today relying a whole lot on technology as well. Because um, there's a lot of historical data that we sit on and trends that are able to like point us in a certain direction. I remember speaking to Rocketship PC and Madhu talking about how their proprietary algorithms were built that kind of like throws up winners from time to time. I love to see how Mumbai Angels continues to like do this and push the needle on innovation, not just at the ecosystem level, but also fundamentally at the organization level, at, at a level yeah. where we have funds, institutions, um, syndicate groups, all of these who are able to like leverage the power of tech to 
to make help them make better decisions more than anything else it's all about filtering the quality as opposed to saying i want more number coming in because numbers it's not a numbers game it's more about yeah. unless you have that spray and pray approach um number numbers don't make sense but if you're taking a concentrated sort of um uh, uh, an approach towards investing then i guess tech um definitely makes a lot of sense in that decision making process now the last part the last i know we're a little um over time here but i wanted to uh, wrap the episode up by asking you a little bit more about how you are envisioning the next 5 years not just for mumbai angels but also the larger ecosystem and the role that you envision playing i know you talked about creating wealth but in that process between now and that larger vision that you have about continuing to do this at scale across various um demographics of investors uh, i would love to understand how you take that 5 year 10 year approach in terms of helping you get there and how are you looking at yourselves inching closer towards it on a day to day basis super so i think this is at three levels mm mm-hmm. first is you know i think we are super lucky to be sitting in india right now yeah there is you know uh, i think we are one of the most uh, you know that one of the luckiest generations mm. uh, to be sitting in india uh i think the next say 10 to 15 years for india is going to be what was for china mm. the last decade mm-hmm. no like i don't I, i have no two minds about that whole thing right yeah. so and of course you know there are so many numbers floating around there i i don't want to uh, you know bore you with but if i looked at just one number it said 2030 india will be a 7 trillion economy right my bet is that a large part of that growth is going to be driven by companies that are maybe just born today or are not even born today that is the opportunity that we're looking at right you and i actually think and i keep saying this in as many uh, forums as i can is that now is the time for all of us irrespective of the kind of portfolio size we manage to have a certain percentage of our money in what is called early stage venture and it should be in single digits depending on you know how busy you are or how actively involved you are in it say for example for someone like me up to say 15% of my wealth will be in early stage venture even then for me also it will be 15 it won't be 50 you know and if you are not actively involved put say anywhere between 2 to 5% but you have to participate in this asset class so that's that's what i so one is about just the sheer nub just the opportunity that you're looking at because of the opportunity the sheer number of companies that are going to come up and the third is we just that because you want to do that portfolio allocation just the sheer number of investors and the capital pool that will be available so like i keep saying that if you look at markets like the us and uk or other thing you know the pyramid is it's a pyramid number of companies and investors individual investors you know funding startups in early stage then series a then you know bc private equity india it's still inverted so the number of investors who actually go out there and say i invest in startups or early stage if i look at everybody all platforms all individual it will not be more than 10000 people you know that also is a stretch can you imagine a country like ours 
Yeah. That number has to grow to lakhs. In lakhs, it has to grow. So that is the opportunity on the investment and the capital pool side. So those are the, and we are sitting at the juncture of both these opportunities, right? Yeah. What is our vision? What do we see that we will uh, be doing with this opportunity is, like I mentioned, build a gold standard, rule-based, transparent, technology-driven platform Mm -hmm. And in its in its uh, uh, you know at a at a at a steady rate should be able to invest anywhere between say five hundred to seven hundred to a thousand crores per year in startups. And I want to build that ability uh, gradually. I'm in no hurry. So, like say for example, uh, right now our ability is to do about a hundred crores across say 50 60 companies every year mm -hmm. i don't see a challenge in being able to double it very easily this year you know yeah and then on a steady state we should be able to invest anywhere between 100 to 200 companies in and deploy about say 500 600 uh, crores so that in about say 5 years time i should have a internal portfolio of a minimum 500 companies minimum mm. so i'm already 250 i'm saying minimum 250 300 will come so you will have a deep enough ecosystem within ourselves yeah. to be able to actually drive uh, you know uh, wealth for everybody in the ecosystem mm. and said I'm, I'm very very and i'm going to say this again and again Akash, because i think there is a lot of uh, gold standard rule setting that is required right now, which mm -hmm. is basically transparent. Uh, everybody understands what it means and a lot of education and community building. So so I think these are the three things that we are going to focus on yeah. to maximize on the opportunity that I see is there irrespective of me being there in the game or not. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the vision. I love everything that you have shared with us over the course of the last hour or so. Everything from your personal journey, um, how things unfolded for you as a founder and what you've been doing today with Mumbai Angels, what you have done at an ecosystem level that fundamentally becomes a playbook, an example that people who are today trying to build, you know, institutions like yourselves can take a lot of learning from. And I would not see it from, I mean, I'm sure you will resonate this as well, less from a competition standpoint, but enabling more wealth creators in the ecosystem because you're way too ahead in terms of the game but today it's about i think in your opinion about giving back as well in some way shape or form to enable more institutions like yourself so then come along and support a larger um crop of founders who are um, you know coming up with ambitious ideas and changing the face of india at the global level so thank you so much for that um i really had a great time sitting across the table from you and having this conversation thank you for having me here akash well, that brings us to the end of this episode, and I hope you all enjoyed and had something to take away from this conversation that I had with Nandini. Thank you so much, Nandini, for being on the podcast, and I'm looking forward to working with you in the coming years. Well, if you're like me and you enjoyed this episode and all the other ones that we've brought to you so far, please go ahead and rate and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. It really helps others discover the show, but most importantly, keeps you updated about each and every episode that we release here on the podcast. We've got another great guest lined up for you next week. So please make sure you tune back in again. And until then, stay safe, everybody, and continue to keep hustling.